0: If you're able, invite you to stand for the reading of God's Word. Our reading today is on page 497 in the Blue Pew Bible, if you want to follow along in that Bible. Today we're reading from Psalm 91, the whole Psalm. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, My refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. If you come to our house, you might see a table on our back porch, It's got a black metal frame and a glass top and some black chairs that match. And if you sat down with me and you said, tell me about this table, I might say, well, it's my table. And that would be true as far as it goes, but if that's all I told you about the table, you would be missing a lot. You would be missing the fact that the table belonged to my wife Anne's great-grandparents. So her great-granddaddy Griner had a drugstore in Houston in the 60s. And his wife Marie, my Anne is Anne Marie, his wife Marie opened a tea room connected to that pharmacy drugstore. And so our table was there. And Anne's dad actually worked stocking the store when he was growing up. So countless people sat at this table before we ever did, before we were ever here and the table then went to Anne's grandparents, and then to her parents, and now to us. So for me to say, that's just our table, doesn't tell half the story. The table's only ours because it belonged to someone else first. Other people have sat there for decades and enjoyed food and fellowship. And wouldn't we sit there differently, knowing all that history? So as we sit down with the Psalms this week, we can't just say, these are my Psalms. Other people have sat with the Psalms for thousands of years before us. And the Psalms are only ours because they belong to someone else first. And most importantly, they're the Psalms of the Savior. So we read them with Christ and through Christ. Today we're going on a quick journey through time with Psalm 91. Wouldn't we sing it differently if we heard it as the song of Israel's sadness and Jesus's security And Satan's strategy. So pull up a chair and let's try to learn this tune. So first imagine that it's 550 BC. It's a long time ago. You're an Israelite living in exile in Babylon. You've been here for over 30 years, really far from the promised land. Jerusalem has been leveled. The temple has been destroyed. Your city and your faith are in ruins. Every year that passes feels like another nail in the coffin of God's promises. So you sit down by the Euphrates River with your friends and you just remember home and you long for home. You've memorized a lot of psalms in your life and certain ones just come flooding back to you, like Psalm 88:14, "Why do you hide your face from me?" Or Psalm 89:46, "How long, O Lord, will you hide yourself forever?" And if you keep going in your mind through the psalms, you come to Psalm 90, the psalm of Moses, Lord, you've been our dwelling place in all generations. And you really want to believe that. You want to to sing that, but you look around and all you see is devastation. And you wonder, what would Moses think if he could see this? And then you come to Psalm 91, but in your sadness, you just don't know what to do with it. You think he will deliver you. He will cover you. Under his wings, you will find refuge. And you want to sing that. You want to believe that. But it seems too good to be true. You will not fear the terror of the night, but you do. If you're an Israelite living in exile, it's hard to sing Psalm 91 through all that sadness. You feel like Pippin in Lord of the Rings when he's talking to Gandalf and he says, I don't want to be in a battle, but waiting on the edge of one I can't escape is even worse. Is there any hope, Gandalf, for Frodo and Sam? And Gandalf looks at him and says, there never was much hope, just a fool's hope. One author says after Psalms 88 and 89, Psalm 91 seems unbelievably naive. Do you feel that today? You hear a song of hope, but the realities of evil and brokenness and cancer and sin and death just drown out the song. Do you feel like you're in a battle you can't escape? And you just have a fool's hope. If you feel like an Israelite in exile today, you're tempted to just push back from the table and say, thank you, I've had my fill of Psalm 91. But before you get up, remember, other people have sat with this psalm. So fast forward to the year 25 AD. Try to imagine this scene. Jesus is in his 20s, living in Galilee. His public ministry is still a few years away, so he leads a quiet life working with his hands. He rises early in the morning to spend time with his Father. He finds a remote place by the Sea of Galilee and unrolls a scroll, and his eyes fall on Psalm 91, and he begins to read and pray. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. As Jesus reads Psalm 91, it's his song of security. From eternity past, he has known this abiding relationship with the Father. From birth, he's known the security of being the beloved Son of God. So he is confident that the Father is with him. He is not afraid. And if you say, I want to sing the song with Jesus, but I don't know how, there's good news. Because Jesus didn't have to come to earth to sing this song. He came to earth so that we might sing it with him. But Jesus knows that he's going to have to go to war in order to bring us peace. Because again, Jesus wasn't the only one reading this song. Fast forward a few years later, Jesus starts his public ministry. And in Matthew 4, the Spirit, the Spirit leads Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil Jesus fasts for 40 days and 40 nights and then the tempter comes to him and tells him in his hunger, turn stones into bread. And Jesus resists. And it's the second temptation that reveals that Satan has been reading Psalm 91. In Matthew 4, 5 we read, Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you're the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they'll bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Did you catch that? The devil quotes directly from Psalm 91, 11, and 12. Jesus' security is part of Satan's strategy. This is not an apostle seeing Jesus in the Psalms. Here I see a fulfillment of Jesus in the Psalms. This is the devil tempting Jesus using the Psalms. Do you realize how well Satan knows the word of God? Do you realize that he memorizes scripture? So Jesus has come to die for his people, but before he can be the perfect sacrifice, he must live a perfect life. And that means he'll be tempted in every way that we are. And everywhere we have failed, he has to ace the test. In the garden, Satan tempted Adam and Eve not to trust God's word and they took a bite, as you know. They failed, and every one of us has failed ever since, except for Jesus. So Jesus comes as the last Adam, and Satan tempts him not to trust God's word. And Jesus doesn't bite, even when he's starving. He passes the test that Adam failed. And then in the wilderness, Satan tempted Israel not to trust God's word. And Israel, as you know, failed In Exodus 16, they grumble against the Lord about the lack of food. Take us back to Egypt. In Exodus 17, they quarrel with Moses about the lack of water. So Jesus comes as the true Israelite. And it's almost like a reenactment. Satan tempts him not to trust God's word. But do you see what Jesus does? He quotes from Deuteronomy, the very passage where the Lord reminds his people what he taught them. When they sinned in the wilderness. And so Jesus says, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. It is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. It is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Jesus passes the test that Israel failed. Satan tempts Jesus to use his power and his position to serve himself, not others, To feed himself, do something spectacular for yourself that will draw a crowd. Seek glory for yourself without suffering. Jesus, you can have it all and it won't cost you anything. Isn't that the essence of temptation? You will not surely die. Just take a bite. Don't trust God. You can be God. We yield to temptation every day. But Jesus suffered when he was tempted so that he can help us when we are tempted. For 30 plus years, Jesus resisted every moment of every day. Dan Doriani writes, each time Jesus said no to Satan, he said yes to the cross. And it's on the cross that Jesus hears another taunt like he heard from the devil in the wilderness. It's Matthew 27, 39 to 42. It takes us to the scene it says, those who passed by the cross derided him, wagging their heads and saying, you who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself. You're the son of God. Come down from the cross. So also the chief priests with the scribes and elders mocked him saying, he saved others. He cannot save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross and we will believe in him. How could they know that their taunts were completely wrong. Coming down from the cross would not be victory. That was the temptation. Saving himself would not be victory. That was the temptation. And Jesus resisted, and Jesus obeyed, and Jesus stayed to the end. Why? He refused to save himself so that he could save us. The sinless one took his people's sins upon himself and he fully paid the debt. He forfeited his security so that we could be secure forever in him. During Holy Week, I wonder if Jesus remembered the end of Psalm 91. Imagine the father speaking these words over his son. Because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. See, for Jesus, Psalm 91 is a psalm of security and salvation. It's his song. And if we are his, it's our song too. We sing it a little differently after hearing Israel's sadness and Satan's strategy. we sing it differently because Jesus' victory means that sadness and Satan will never silence this song. Holy Week is this invitation to come and sing this song with Jesus. So come, dwell in the shelter of the Most High. Come, abide in the shadow of the Almighty. And come, find your refuge beneath the cross of Jesus. Spend a moment in silence to pray, consider what the Lord is teaching us.